0: A reading from the book of Revelations. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us, from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom preserving his God and Father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen Look he is coming with the clouds every eye will see him even those who pierced him and on his account all the tribes of the earth will wail So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
1: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, to testify to the truth everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice the gospel of the lord, Praise to you, lord Christ.
2: may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable unto you o lord our strength and redeemer amen amen I don't know about you, but sometimes my mind gets focused on things and I forget the bigger picture. Well, I received the lessons and the note, which I picked Revelation for this morning from <clears throat> Steve. And uh, I began preparing and looking at the lessons and wondering about how, what would be the best way to approach. Trying to pick out a theme for myself. Of course, it took me a while to realize that the pattern of the lessons themselves seemed to point in one direction, and it was a lot about words of king and kingdom. And obviously, and surprisingly enough, when I saw the bulletin and saw Christ, the feast of Christ the king, I knew I had picked the right time to preach. My first experience at a Christ the king celebration. Because I was from a low church, Episcopal church up in Trinity Church in Buffalo, New York. And we didn't do things like Christ the King festivals. And when I was in seminary at St. Mary's of the church, uh, I went in and was not aware that it was Christ the King once again. And it soon became apparent to me that I had misunderstood what this liturgy was supposed to mean. They didn't start the service for about 45 minutes because they were processing around the church celebrating Christ the King. And the incense rose and rose and rose and rose, and I was choking by the time I got to sing the opening hymn. At which point we finished this really wonderful and powerful celebration, which actually had wonderful preaching went out and they opened the doors and the fire department was greeting us as we came out of the church. So that's my first real remembrance of a Christ the King celebration. But something else happened over the week as I was reading through the lessons and trying to figure out what's this all about? What are king, kingdom, blah, blah, blah? All of a sudden, it popped into my head. A friend of mine wrote a book called Turning Things Upside Down, a theological workbook, Tom Woodward. We were chaplains together, and I had read the book maybe 35 years ago. And every once in a while, it comes back to my mind to read certain sections. As I was looking at the lessons, I remembered a story that he found, that he had placed in his book. Because he talks about John A.J. Languth, who wrote a book called Jesus Christ's, plural. And it was a storybook about Jesus as a boy, Boyhood Wonders. And Chuck would probably know this, but Malcolm Boyd wrote an introduction to the book in terms of his response to these wonderful stories of Jesus as a boy. Well, one of the stories kept coming back to my mind, so I want to share that with you this morning. Jesus is sitting in study hall and he opens his book his notebook and using a ruler from his geometry class he took out a page and made a ledger line down the center of the page to the left at the top in block letters he wrote assets on the other side he put down liabilities under Liabilities he started by putting down impatience. And covering his page from the girl across the aisle, he began to put the following down demanding, self righteous, proud, moody, filled with doubt, tend towards arrogance. With some dismay, he looked over his list of liabilities, thought to himself, he better check out and see what he could write down as assets. He thought for a moment and then wrote down, under assets, the Son of God. In bitter spirits, he closed the notebook and proceeded to do his study on Cicero. The idea that Jesus as a boy had these kinds of thoughts. I think he's pointing out to us the reality of this Jesus who we now call Christ the King. And on this feast day, as we read through the lessons, you'll notice the wonderful dialogue with Pontius Pilate Because Pilate immediately says, well, are you the king of the Jews? And does Jesus answer specifically? No. He says, do you ask this on your own or will you put up to it? The dialogue goes, I am, Pilate, very quick to point out, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Then Jesus says something very curious. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to save me. But, as it is, my kingdom is not from here, which, of course, confuses our friend Pilate a little bit more. Pilate asks him, so you are king. Jesus answers, for you say that I am a king. Here's the line that took me a while to really digest and look at a number of times. As he says, you say that I am a king. For this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Well, supposing now... We were to pull out our sheets of paper and draw a center line, a ledger line down the center. And on the left side, let's put down kingdom of humans or the kingdoms that we know to be true for ourselves. What is a king? What is the ruler? On the other side, what is Jesus talking about, about kingdom and ruler? Now, I want you to picture for your for a moment in your mindset, what is it that the ruler or king word conjures up for you? What goes on in your mind as you hear those words? Because I'm going to ask you to give me some of your feedback. Now, this is, remember, we're talking about king's kingdom from the human perspective.
1: Power to control.
2: Did you hear that? Power and control. Hmm. Did I intimidate everybody? What is this? Anyone else? What, what do you think of when you think of king? Ruler. Power control. What are some other things that come up?
0: Pageantry, Pageantry. Pageantry and wealth. Uh,
2: and wealth. Pageantry and wealth. Authority.
0: Territory.
2: Territory. Okay. What are some other things that come to mind? Unfortunately, uh, we have a little bit of... Information about kingdoms that become, um, how shall we say, territories of a divisive or powerful or mean ruler. Anyone else? Yep. Subjugation. Subjugation. Aha. Subjugation. What are some other things that you picture when you think of king, ruler? Another word sometimes often associated with it is tyrant. Benevolence. Yes, benevolent rulers. Okay, so with that in mind, that's what the people of the time were actually thinking in their own mind. But Jesus is talking about a whole different kingdom. So when we're thinking in terms of what parable stories strike you about Jesus talking about the kingdom of God that's very different from what we've just looked at. Anyone? I mean, I think of the widow's mite, (laughs) and she comes in with nothing. And all these other people have wealth, and they put in, apportionately, what they should And she gives a little, and Jesus points out she's given the most. It's not a criticism of the others giving, because we are in stewardship, and I don't want to disown that. But it was really critical that he was pointing out that this little might has a powerful connection. So it's about relationships. What else? Other things, when you think about God the parables jesus the stories
1: the returning son
2: the returning son this he already got paid off he was already off having a great time he comes back home and the father is not the father didn't own the property anymore He'd given it away so the older son is rightfully upset cuz it's now his property he was given to him and here the son comes back and all of a sudden, the son is lifted to a sense of honor. A benevolent father, who this older son found contentious. But it was the right idea of what the kingdom of God is like. Other stories that you can think of about the kingdom of God. Ah. Plant the seeds and... <clears throat> barren lands. Right. In the, in the field and tending, right. And that it's, it's a surprise. It's like, why would the kingdom be put in a barren field? Yes. Anybody else? I saw another hand. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for helping me. But I think the important thing about today to look at Christ the King, to celebrate the feast day of the kingdom of Christ, is to look at how different it is from what we assume kingdoms are all about. For us, the kingdom of God is a chance where everyone, everyone, has the opportunity to be saved, to be loved, as they turn themselves towards God. The most difficult thing is sometimes when you see someone that you have had some difficulty with and you recognize that they in fact have the equal right of salvation as you, it puts us back on that tension line pushing us over towards the kingdom understood by our humanness. I told a story a long time ago that <clears throat> I had a big debate with a Seminarian, and I was, you know, of course in seminary everything's very serious, because you're, you're supposed to be professional, you're supposed to be knowledgeable, you're supposed to know all things, which you don't know anything. But anyway, the presumption was that you were knowledgeable. And I had this horrible relationship with one of my seminary classmates. Terrible relationship. And I used to see every time I'd see him, and we sat in a class, a small class which made it very difficult for me to be there and we were talking about god's love and so forth and how everyone was acceptable <clears throat> and i went to we went to chapel late because our professor held us up a little bit i went and jumped into a seat and who did i sit next to <laughs> uh, the person that uh you know it was like Hitting a wall, the minute I sat down and I wanted to excuse myself and leave the chapel. But it was even song, it was tradition and so forth. And plus this even song, they were incorporating with the Eucharist. So finally we came up to the altar and I realized at the time when he put his hands out and I put my hands out to receive Christ, to have Christ be a part of us that my pettiness, my anger, my sort of haughtiness was a problem for me to face and to deal with because as we received the sacrament, we were both equal in God's presence. So as we look at the kingdom of God from the point of view of Jesus, We need to be aware that when we call him Christ the King, we're acknowledging the fact that the world literally will be turned upside, down. That we draw the ledger line to remind us that what we think is the kingdom, what we think is our rulers, our kings, we have to understand that it is Christ's understanding of the kingdom that we need. To proclaim and to profess. Because it's God's love that gives us the opportunity to be one with another. In Jesus' boyhood, he simply looked at the assets and the liabilities. Knowing that he was the Son of God, allowed him the Spirit to close the page. We, in fact, as we understand Christ the King, asking us to serve, to be outstanding stewards, and to be caregivers for all, we realize the kingdom of God. Amen.